0: Welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Hi there. Today is Thursday, April the 28th. This is the Illuminated Word, and I'm David McLean. Our reading today is going to come from Acts chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 16 through 21. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city, or the Areopagus, and said, come and tell us about this new teaching. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So here we are still in Acts 17. Devin walked us through the first Uh, 15 verses yesterday, we're still on uh, Paul's second missionary trip. And on this second missionary trip, Paul and Silas visits some of the churches that they established on the first trip. And chapter 17 of Acts tells about uh, three cities. You got Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. And after they establish a church in Thessalonica, you got some of the Jews uh, and the townspeople there. They start stirring up trouble for them Which is a common problem that Paul faces. And Paul and Silas then head out to Berea, where the people in the synagogue receive them gladly and they believe the message. But before long, you got some of the folks in Thessalonica find out that they were there and they come over to Berea. They keep stirring up so much trouble that Paul has to escape again. And this time he sails all the way to Athens. And when Paul leaves Berea, you know, I have to think that he must have been wondering about the will of God for his ministry. Uh, in Acts 16, we, we see that he was called to Macedonia by a vision, but now he was headed for Greece and uh, abandoning what appears to have been his original plan. Uh, he was going from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea, and he seems to have been headed all the way to Rome. But only a few years after uh, the events of Acts 17, uh, he writes to the church in Rome that, and, and says that he had often planned to visit there, but had been hindered from doing so. And so I guess several things had combined to alter his plans. There had been a a threatening letter from Emperor Claudius in A.D. 41 where uh, he says he was going to take measures against Jews who were, quote, stirring up a universal plague throughout the world. And then that threat was followed up by the expulsion of Jews from Rome by Claudius in A.D. 49 because of what he called disturbances created in the Jewish community by one Crestus. It was probably an alternative spelling for the word Christ. Uh, in AD 44 there had been demonstrations in Palestine in the wake of Herod Agrippa's death. There was an uproar uh, that followed Paul's personal ministry throughout Macedonia. Uh, biblical events happened in the real world context of politics and intrigue and, and setbacks, which again just adds another level of credibility uh, to the Bible. But, so all that is is what follows or, or what precedes Paul ending up in Athens. So Paul is in Athens under circumstances he did not choose. When he gets there, he planned to wait for Silas and Timothy to join him, but um, well, to join him to start a ministry there. But circumstances again, change his plans. So Athens was not a large city in Paul's day. perhaps only about ten thousand people lived there, but its importance was far. Uh, out of proportion to its size. Athens was the city of Pericles and Zeno and Epicurus and Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. It was the intellectual center of its time. And so Paul was undoubtedly exhausted. you got to imagine physically, mentally, spiritually when he arrived in Athens. And so just like any first-time visitor to a great city, he's going to walk the streets as a tourist and a a sightseer and, and see what he can see. And so uh, he's an educated and cultured man. He knew the poetry of Athenian writers. He knew some of the city's history. So he walks the streets of Athens and sees its temples and statues and, and the Acropolis. And his appreciation for certain aspects of the city's history and art and culture just couldn't get him past the fact that most of it reflected and sought to perpetuate pagan idolatry. The Athenian culture was spiritually corrupt and it was repulsive to Paul. He became so distressed over the situation that he just couldn't wait any longer for Silas and Timothy. And so he seeks out the Jewish synagogue where he reasoned with uh, Jews and, and the God-fearing Gentiles that were in attendance. Just as he had done in Thessalonica, he reasoned, he explains, and he proves from the law of Moses and the prophets that Jesus was the Messiah. And neither in Athens nor in any other place. I think this is important to, to point out in each interaction that Paul has. Neither in Athens nor in any other place did Paul ever ask anyone to make a mindless decision for Christ. I mean, he, he reasons with them. He explains. He has a conversation with them. He teaches. And God seeks the heart via the mind. And we, we can teach We can reason. People can be reasoned with, well, most people can be reasoned with, at least with a reasoned interpretation of of God's word. And so here's Paul reasoning with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, but Paul also engaged a a different different segment of the population, a non-Jewish segment of the population in discussion about Jesus. There's never a dull moment on this road trip with Paul. Uh, so he decides he's going to uh, he's going to engage the, the intellectual heart, the, the heart of the culture of Athens. Because he knew that the two prevailing philosophies in that city were the Epicureans and the Stoics. And these two philosophies are, are actually still widespread today, even though they go by different names. See Epicureans were existentialists in that they believed that personal experience is everything. They were kind of like today's materialists and atheists, believing matter is all that exists. Uh, Epicurus, uh, he's the originator of this philosophy, um, had this most famous saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Unlike the Epicureans, the Stoics believed in personal discipline and self-control, so to them the most important thing in life was to follow reason and be self-sufficient. This kind of thinking caused the Stoics to be proud and to assume that they didn't need the help of any god. Both groups worshipped hundreds of gods in hundreds of ways. The Epicureans worshipped gods of pleasure, while the Stoics were pantheists who believed that everything was God and and God was everything. And so here's Paul to come in and engage these two uh, drastically different groups. And so he ends up in in the marketplace, or the Agora. Uh, And that's the Agora was was the hub of Athenian life, I would say it would be the equivalent of, a, of the mall, but, you know, it's not the 80s and 90s anymore, so that's not exactly true. Uh, maybe it'd be kind of like the, the equivalent of a, of a downtown uh, shopping plaza or center, you know, where they have boardwalks and, you know, where, where life happens. The Agora, the marketplace, it's where life happens. It was the marketplace. It was the public forum where everyone eventually came. And so it's in this Agora that Paul encounters uh, these people from these two philosoph- uh, philosophical backgrounds. Um, again, Epicurus had founded a school of thought that argued for pleasure. Well, not like we think of like, parties and indulgence. Uh, he probably wouldn't have denied the existence uh, or denied the, the pleasure of those two things. Um, but again, it was more like a materialist who said that uh, we should seek tranquility by avoiding pain or unreasonable desires, uh, anxiety about death. Um, this notion of the resurrection of the body following death would have been regarded as foolishness by Epicureans. Um, and then Zeno, who had founded the Stoic school, uh, they were pantheists. So everything was a god. Um, every, every, all material was a god. And he said that humans should seek simply to live by their own reason and in simple harmony with nature because uncontrollable fate governs everyone's destiny. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, Zeno committed suicide, and many of his followers advocated the same practice as a dignified death. Uh, So, some of these philosophers Paul engages with in conversation dubs him as a babbler. They saw scraps of truth in what he said, but they could not see the coherence of, of a larger picture that Paul might have been trying to paint for them. These people uh, likely listened out of nothing more than curiosity. You know, and then others would say that he seems to be advocating foreign gods. That is, they were a bit more interested than the ones who had labeled Paul a, a babbler, because they saw the opportunity to learn about new gods. So it, it seems that Paul's emphasis on the resurrection is what caught everyone's ear. Um, I mean, it definitely was a frontal assault on the materialism and fatalism of the Athenian philosophers. What's interesting is, is some scholars think that verse 18 points to a mistaken idea on the part of some that Paul is offering two gods. He's actually offering anastasis, which is the Greek term for resurrection, and Jesus. So maybe they were like, maybe that's why they were confused as babbler, the, these, these new gods. And so Paul's carried to the Areopagus to explain his views. But we're not going to move into that part of Acts chapter 17. Uh, Chris is going to cover that tomorrow. Of course, that's the uh, the sermon uh, to the Areopagus, the message that he preaches. I think it's interesting for us to note what catches these Stoic philosophers and these uh, Epicurean philosophers' attention, and that is the resurrection. So the resurrection set, set Christianity, set Paul's message apart from all the other religions that they had believed in, all the other philosophies that they followed. And I know we've said it over and over and over again, but the resurrection is what changed the world. Resurrection is what sets us apart. Now, without the resurrection, we are nothing. And it's also interesting, too, that Paul was where the people were. He was among them. He went and uh, and, and walked their streets and, and read their statues and listened to them speak, and he was among them. And that's why they started listening to him, because he was where they were. And what he saw made him so um, sick or, I don't know, it it, it challenged him, it pushed him to speak out. And what he saw was repulsive to him. And he spoke out. He started preaching. I think that we can be among uh, non-Christians. We can be among non-believers, non-Christ followers, and be out in culture and see what's going on and not be repulsed by it. Because often we look like what we see around us. And so what is our reaction to what we see around us? Uh, do, we feel the, do we feel the need? Do we feel pushed to speak out? Um, and of course, Paul doesn't come out harshly swinging and, and condemning, but instead he speaks from love. He, he starts where they're at. He speaks to them uh, and does a fantastic job. Chris will talk about that tomorrow. But also he was among the people. You know, we can't sit in our churches and sit in our shelters and our bunkers and, and hope for the people just to come. We have to be where they are. It's kind of like fishing. I used to love fishing. I uh, haven't been fishing in quite a while. Uh, in Texas, I didn't really have the time. And, and now, you know, I, I'm not sure where to go. But, anyways, <laughs> I love fishing. Um, if I just sit on the couch and complain about not having any fish, not catching the fish, well, that doesn't, that's, that's silly. That makes no sense. I have to go where they are and be where they are and fish where they are in order to catch the fish. It's the same thing with people. We have to be where the people are. We have to be among them. We have to hear them. We have to see them. And we have to speak to them out of love and care and concern. Uh, Tomorrow, Chris will continue looking at this uh, amazing interaction that Paul has, this message that he has. And hopefully we will be challenged uh, in the way that we interact with people as well. Until next week. Thank you for listening, not just today, but each time you listen to The Illuminated Word. Our hope is that this podcast encourages you each time, maybe you learn something new you didn't know before, but that it would encourage you to continue living your faith as you move uh, throughout your day. And of course, our prayer is also that you would see opportunities that God has opened for you each day to be a blessing to those around you in some form or fashion. Until next time you listen to The Illuminated Word, have a blessed day.